0: This is Sandy Clough and Sean Drotar on Mile High Sports.
1: Sandy Clough, Sean Drotar Mile High Sports, one FM, milehighsports.com slash watch or milehighsports.com slash listen, depending on your preference. We come to you daily via the Mile High Sports app. You can uh, follow us that way. Of course, our executive producers, the great Danny Bailey. I'm Sandy Clough. Sean Rotar is off this week. Dr. Rick Perea, kind enough to sit in today and tomorrow, and then we will, uh, we will need three days to recover, uh, or Dr. Perea may need three days to recover from his <laughs> four uh, day stint here as uh, co-host on this uh, little radio program. Uh, Good news and bad news for the Broncos. Obviously, good news that they won last night. Four games in a row have been won by the Broncos. They go from on Sunday morning being dead last in the AFC West and 14th in the AFC, only 17th make the playoffs, to by the end of the day, 10th in the AFC, a lot closer mm-hmm. to making the playoffs and second, not last, but second in the AFC West, behind only Kansas City. And you look at the AFC, you have Kansas City at 7 and 2. Jacksonville 7 and 3, Houston 6 and 4. Buffalo 6 and 5. Baltimore 8 and 3, Cleveland 7 and 3. Pittsburgh 6 and 4. Now the Broncos don't win all the tiebreakers among the five and five teams, but there are only seven teams in the AFC with better records than the Broncos have right now, and one of them is Buffalo. And Buffalo is six and five. Denver's five and five. But if Denver wins on Sunday, the Bills are one of those teams that still has not taken a bye. The Broncos, with five losses, would be tied with Buffalo having five losses, and the Broncos would have the tiebreaker based on the head to head record. So if you take that into consideration, the Broncos have one of the seven best records in the AFC when everybody's bye has been uh, uh, taken. That's the good news. The bad news, Kareem Jackson suspended four games. That news coming down within the last 30 minutes. Uh, for his uh, illegal hit that was not penalized last night, the first series of the game against Joshua Dobbs. Uh, He led with the crown of his helmet, uh, hit high. Dobbs had to be checked out in the tent for a concussion on the sidelines. He was able to stay in the game. But though the play was not penalized, the NFL looked at it today. And after shortening the original Kareem Jackson suspension this year from four games to two, They sock him with four, and he'll be serving those four and maybe more because you are expert on the process, and you said he has to go through some psychological testing now. Yes, evaluation. Evaluation. Absolutely. And he will be evaluated. Yeah. And he is a recidivist. Yes, he is. And they don't have to let him back after four games. They don't. If he seems as stubborn as he was last week about the whole thing, when he said, I still have no idea why I was suspended, uh, I've talked to uh, uh, the person who suspended me, John Runyon, and the appeals officer, Derek Brooks, no shrinking violet he.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, I didn't get any clarity from them. How am I supposed to play? First series of the game, first plays involved in is a cheap shot. Same kind of cheap shot. Leading with his helmet. Not his shoulder, not even close. Leading yeah. with his helmet, getting away with it. And as I said, you get these kind of breaks when you're on a four game winning streak.
2: Yeah. And I think I want the people to understand the evaluation is not whether he's sane or not, but the evaluation is his decision making yes. and how he processes information. Because when he comes out of that process and says, I still don't have a clue as to how to tackle, where right. to tackle I don't know all how to all play. Season, how to play. I don't know how to play. Then there's there's a gap there in his processing. You know, I mean there's so many levels of cognitive development. There's competencies. There's acumen. Well, and if we, they will test and assess for those competencies and acumen the, the in decision-making.
1: The layman would say he's in denial. What would the performance psychologist Are say? Are you
2: talking about that river in Egypt? <laughs> That's what he might The denial? Yeah. Uh, but no, but he is in denial. I mean, he, he absolutely is in denial. Sandy, you know where he played college football, don't you? Alabama. Roll Tide. And you were around yeah, him. Yeah, and you I just, spent some time with him. I did, and here's my question:
1: I just so is Patrick Sutan. They seem to be two completely different types of individuals. I yep. like Kareem Jackson. Yep. My dealings with them, they've always been pleasant. Right, but I, I I don't understand. I I just don't understand why after just getting back. Yeah. And you know of your value to the team, especially right. since P.J. Locke is hurt now and couldn't play last night. So, Kareem Jackson's out there for every single snap on defense last night. Yeah. Didn't miss a one.
2: Right. But he, obviously, in his processing, is not using logic and reasonability when he thinks about that. And so, I mean, he's very dogmatic in his thinking. Yeah. Even when he yes. talks, Yes, he said I have no idea. Absolute. Very you do absolute. have ideas. Yeah. Come on, man. Let's be real. Let's be honest. You do have an idea of what to do going forward. Um, so there is some issues that going on there, and you may be right, Sandy. Um, I don't know. I don't know how many more games he'll play as the Bronco. We'll see yeah. if he comes back. If he doesn't, you know, and it's not because he has offended people by doing this. But the the real thing is, you got players behind you that won't do this that won't be repeatedly suspended and cuz you harm your team when you do this of course not you not only from your these, on-field these are performance four huge
1: games coming
2: up yeah. he, he will be missed not only because of your on-field performance but also because of your cohesion and collaboration in the locker room when you continually are leaving for reasons that disrupts that culture by design and so i think the young blood should learn from this that you know what There's a right way to play this game, and there's a wrong way to play this game, and there's a legal way to play this game. Yes. And you can't get past that illegal part, and he's tried to do it several times. It doesn't work. Well, he got away with it last night, but he didn't get away with
1: it today. The NFL imposing a four-game suspension on Kareem Jackson. Well, uh, back to the good news. The Broncos won last night, and uh, they will be – Watching tonight, Monday Night Football, Philadelphia and Kansas City, but feeling as good about themselves at this time of year as they felt at any point going back to 2016 when they were 7-3, and three, coming off a bye and leading the Chiefs by eight points with three minutes to play. Managed to lose the lead, played overtime, kicked the field goal in overtime. Kansas City got the ball back, managed to kick a field goal to keep the game going. Mm -hmm. And then the Broncos tried a game-winning field goal uh, from long range that Brandon McManus happened to miss. And the Chiefs got great field position because it was a long field goal attempt that missed, went down, kicked the winning field goal. And the Broncos and the Chiefs have been going in opposite directions since mm -mm, until now. The Broncos finally broke that 16-game losing streak to the Chiefs, part of the four-game winning streak. And so the Broncos will be riding that wave heading into a, a fascinating game coming up on Sunday against Cleveland. Far and away, Cleveland Browns are the best defensive team in the National Football League, and they have excellent special teams. Their offense, mm, but the UCLA kid played very well for them yesterday when he had to down the stretch, and they pulled out a 13-10 win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. They led 10 nothing one point. Steelers got a big play in the running game, 74 yard run that tied the game. Warren actually made the run, not our Alabama friend Najee Harris. Yep, yep. Uh, that made it 10 to 7. They kick a field goal, make it 10 10, but the Steelers have been stumbling around on offense all year. That continued yesterday, and there is something uh, uh, going on in Cleveland, too. Uh, they are finding ways to win, and Miles Garrett, I think, has a great argument not just to be the defensive player of the year, but to be the most valuable player in the National Football League. He is great every single Sunday. He has an impact uh, on the game.
2: Um, Can I tell you something about Miles Garrett real quick? Yeah, absolutely. You know him. Guess what? Yeah, I know him. Guess what? From the neck up, one of the best in the league. He seeks it out, he looks for it, and he practices it. Yeah. And I noticed that about him the first time I was around him when I was with Hugh Jackson and the Cleveland Browns. I noticed that he came up to me. He was getting his haircut. The Cleveland Browns have their own barber. Most teams do have their own barber in the facility. And he was getting his haircut, and I walked by, and he said, Doc, don't walk by me. He says, I want to learn what you know. And yeah. from that moment on, we started talking yeah. and sharing. And I'm going to tell you right now, obviously, you look at him, and he's, he looks the part. He's physically good from the neck down, and he's athletic and all that. But from the neck up, he's one of the best I've ever been around on the defensive line.
1: Well. I think he and uh, Micah Parsons of Dallas are right there, one and one a, one a one b, whatever, uh, week to week. But I think this year, week to week, and I love Parsons, and I still think the Broncos should have drafted him as Satan. <laughs> but that that that, that is, uh, Satan plays well, and that's fine. Um, uh, but from from week to week this year, it's Miles Garrett. Yeah. To week, to week. I agree. I mean, Dallas is seven and three, and Micah Parsons is one of the reasons. Cleveland is seven and three, and Miles Garrett is the reason. Yeah. <laughs> there there yeah. aren't too many other uh, uh, reasons. Uh by the way, uh the odds makers, in answer to your question, who's the best team in football? Kansas City at the present time to win the Super Bowl plus four hundred in Vegas. San Francisco, plus 450. Philadelphia, plus 500. Baltimore, plus 850. Quite a gap. Mm -hmm. And then the Miami Dolphins, plus 900, with your friend Mike McDaniels. And uh, there was an interesting tidbit I read today, and we'll get to uh, Sean Payton and Cortland Sutton in just a second, that when Tua got concussed, Last year, you know, he's lying on the field. And the guy he called for over and over again was Mike McDaniel. Mm. Not Nick Saban. Yeah. Not any of his coaches on the offensive side sure, of the ball. Sure, sure. Any teammate, Mike McDaniel. Yeah. Where's Mike? Where's Mike? That was his instant reaction. Mm-hmm. Mike McDaniel is something. Else, and they they didn't play the greatest game in the world against the Raiders yesterday, but they won. Yeah, and they're in first place, and you know they are a lot of good Coach of the Year candidates. I mean, you got Campbell in Detroit doing great yeah. work. The Lions are sixteen and four in their last twenty games, tremendous. Yeah, uh, you, you've got you know Kyle in San Francisco doing great work. Uh, I think Doug Peterson, Jacksonville, Coach of the Year candidate. Uh, but I'll tell you what: Baltimore, Harbaugh, uh, Cleveland with Stefanski. Uh, I I always think Mike Tomlin belongs up there. How how he had that team six and three, now six and four. But how he had that team six and three, I'll never know. They outgained every week. They get outscored overall this year. They they're right now six and four and minus twenty nine point differential. I mean, yeah, he's if he isn't coach of the year. He's one of the five best coaches in the league, year after year after year. He he's just great. But Mike McDaniel, uh, to me, gets gets my vote. I mean, they they're solid. Plus sixty seven. Buffalo's plus one hundred four, and Buffalo's a game and a half behind Miami. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, it, you know, Buffalo loses close and wins big. You want to know why Tua was calling for Mike? You want to know why? Um I've been around, as you know, Sandy, I've been around a lot of NFL coaches, head, assistant. And Mike is human. And he allows himself to be vulnerable and human with his players. And he's that way with his staff. And if more coaches could learn, not X's and O's, who cares about that? Everybody knows X's and O's. Nobody's reinvented the wheel in terms of that. But what Mike McDaniel's doing is he's being human, he's being vulnerable, he's being open talking about his addiction challenges. Yes. Talking about his his you know cravings and addictions and dependency issues yeah. and being very vulnerable about that has been so powerful for his team because emotionally they're a very connected team, very emotionally. And that you whole building tell. you can tell. You know the man, general manager Chris yeah. Greer, I know him well. Yes. He was there when I was yes. there. And he said he's really never seen anything like it. Yeah. You know, the connectivity yeah. of that team. They, they and it got starts, that higher right. And it starts they with Mike. Right. And again, for all you men listening out there, openness and vulnerability is a strong mm-hmm. characteristic. It's a strong characteristic. It's not a weakness. The ability to express yourself and do it in a very vulnerable and open way is one of the most powerful things you can do as a man, as a father, husband, a, a friend, a partner. Sean Payton, happy man, last night after the Broncos
1: rallied once again and knocked off the Vikings twenty-one to twenty at the stadium. Here he is after the game.
0: Look, obviously uh, a crazy game in, in a lot of ways, um, man. It was it was good for us to come out of there with a win. Um, this is one of those games. If you just looked at the, the stat line, you would see Minnesota did a number of things better than us, and, and you know, we really struggled offensively, I thought, on third down. When you have those numbers on third down, you're not going to have the rushing attempts or the rushing yards. So, you know, all of a sudden it's halftime because you're not having the snaps. Um, so our third down numbers were poor. But um, the one thing we did, we we took the ball away three times and we didn't turn it over. So that kind of becomes a little bit of the trump card in a game like this. Um, give credit to those guys, though. They had a good plan coming in and uh, – you know we were fortunate to win. Um, you know I'm proud of our fight. Um, there's there's still obviously a lot we have to clean up, but um, the turnovers and the takeaways can can kind of uh, you know do that for you when when you're not playing just how you want to. Defensively, I thought we you know early on they were running the ball with some success, but um, you know the the way we played towards the end was was significant. Um, it was a gutsy call by them on the fake punt um, you know in their own end and. Uh, Again, it's
1: a good win. I'll tell you, when you pull off a fake punt like they did last night and you make it work for more than 30 yards and yeah. keeps the drive alive at a key point in the game, you don't lose those games very often. You but win. you do lose often when yeah. you turn it over three times yeah. and you don't take the way,
2: the ball at all. Yep. Yeah, when you fake a punt and convert it for a first down, I mean, I don't know what the statistic is today, oh, but it used it to be 88 percent oh, winning yeah. percentage. I, I and when you convert it over 25 yards, it goes up to like 95 yeah. percent. So, yeah. yeah, it's it was. And you know, he said it was a gutsy call. I don't think it's gutsy. I think it's I think it's r- realistic. I mean, they needed to make something happen. Yes, Denver was showing mm-hmm. it. See, the thing that, and again, I hope I don't get VJ in trouble, but you know, when you defend that, you look well, that's at special it, teams. So. It was wide open. I mean, and and that's a that's an audible call yeah. on field. Oh, oh yes, definitely. No, they tell no those. They tell no those. Doubt. They call them personal protectors. Yeah. They tell that personal protector, if if you get this alignment, red, 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 yeah. red, and you go, and they did it, and it was a first down. So yeah, kudos kudos to Sean. You know though, Peyton. Yeah. I thought he acknowledged what I like about what he said there in the press conference. This is a little bit different than up in Boulder. Yeah. Um, what I liked about what Sean said there is he acknowledged his his lack of competencies on offense. He, he acknowledged what they didn't do right, and they got to work on getting better. But he did also acknowledge that they were managed to get out of there with a W in spite of all that. So he, it wasn't like he tried to cover it up. He acknowledged it. He said they're going to address it and move forward. That's the sign of a mature coach. And uh, we'll come
1: back, and we'll hear from a player who has really, really come on in recent weeks. Cortland Sutton, who might over the last month even more so than Russell Wilson with some of the circus catches he's made in the Broncos. Most valuable player, at least on offense. That's next.
3: It's kicking up
0: When you could just give me a call Sandy Cuff and Sean Tar, Presented by Superbook Sports Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com Here's Sean and Sandy
1: Sandy Clef, Sean Brochard, Dr. Rip sitting in. Dr. Puri will be with us uh, tomorrow as well. We will be off on uh, Wednesday, on Thanksgiving, and on Friday as well. Sean will rejoin us next week. This is Mile High Sports, 98.1 FM, milehighsports.com slash watch or milehighsports.com slash listen. And uh, we come to you via the Mile High Sports app. Our executive producer is the great Danny Bailey. And to uh, call in or text, it's 303-831-1340. After the game last night, I don't know that there was a more joyful person in the stadium than Cortland Sutton, who made a most spectacular game-winning play on the winning touchdown reception for Denver.
3: I think we're all we're all feeling the momentum. We're all having that, you know, um, enjoying this, this this run, you know, enjoying the, the just the, the excitement and fun that comes with the winning. You know, um, you know, hear people say that the fun is in the winning, and it definitely is. And, you know, to be able to, you know, see the success, and it, it's, it's a lot of fun. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, watching it be a team effort. You know, it's, it's, it's literally every, every aspect of our team is, is contributing to these wins. Defense is going out there getting turnovers and getting big stops. Special teams, you know, Marv has been amazing. You know, um, with his returns and every and everybody that's on all of those units, you know, blocking it up for him, and you know, I think they're they number one kickoff reti- kickoff return team and number one punt return team, and it's 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 a group effort, and they're out there playing their bus off, and then offensively, you know, week by week we continue to you know find things that work for us, and you know, no, it's it's I think about like golf, you know, nobody's really. You know, gonna say anything when they look at the record at the end of the at the end of the game, and you know they're gonna say, "Hey, they gotta win." And it, it is what it is. You know, go watch the film, get better from it, keep it moving. But in that moment, we got the win.
1: I want you to respond to what he he said, but uh, I want you also to answer: Does funding, uh, having fun, lead to winning, or does winning lead to having fun?
2: Yeah. Here's the psychological uh, answer. It's called reciprocal determinism. And what that means is they impact each other. They're the inter- impact
1: is yes. The answer yes. to that question is yes. 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 It's, does it's, fun lead to winning, or does winning lead to fun? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Is the answer.
2: The, it, yes. Um, but reciprocal determinism means that there's there's a variable of different percentages that they contribute. It could be fifty three forty seven. It could be. You know, 60-40, whatever right. it is, right. but they're interdependent, Sandy. Right, like you have to have one for the yeah. other, and it depends on the particular situation which one comes first. But it's like the chicken and the egg. But I tell you what, this team you can tell is having more fun now. They're playing together now, yeah. and obviously the reference with with um, with Bowles and and Sutton earlier, yeah, that, it was just Bowles and Simmons. Simmons, actually, they're they're having so much of the ball. so much more fun, yeah, and and yeah. you know. Again, going back to number three, look at his facial expressions now versus five weeks ago.
1: Look at it in his post-game demeanor last night. I really watched that. He's standing there with Sutton and Sutton's smiling. And Sutton's a little more effervescent uh, in a natural way. And I I thought it was very interesting. Wilson wasn't putting on airs. He's very matter-of-fact, deferred to Sutton. Right. You know, it, and it, it, it just struck me, uh, this is the Russell Wilson they thought they were trading for.
2: Yeah, but you know what it also tells me about number three is he he is highly what we call neurotic. And you see, like, when he changes that much mm. between winning and losing, I mean, I, I say this, it's going to sound sarcastic, but I'm being mm. honest. He's 5'10 and a half when he wins. He's five eight when he loses. I mean, yeah. he literally shrinks. He shrinks. He yeah. shrinks yeah. physically. Yeah, and the shoulders change. His facial expressions change. His voice changes. He doesn't speak with as much strength or conviction. No. So, I want people to understand the nonverbal is so strong in helping us indicate who is feeling good about themselves and not. And when Russell Wilson changes that much from a winning team to a lose, from a losing to a winning team. That it, that concerns me a little bit because you want him to be a little more stable through all of the hiccups, the bumps in the road. But you know what? I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be a lover right now and not a hater. And I'm gonna tell you what: Denver is on the cusp. If they can get a few things cleaned up, like Sean Payton said, with yeah. with their defense and with their offense, more consistency. And who knows? Maybe the rest of the Bronco team is the model for Russell Wilson to follow instead of everybody thinking the opposite. Yes. Maybe there's other players that lead by example that are more stable and consistent, well, and Russ that's, takes the page wh- out of their no I
1: say, I think that the, the transformation with Sutton, uh, who's not only played a lot better, but seems to have gotten bigger yeah. in, in the process, and he's Back to making on those, quote-unquote, 50-50 balls. Right. He's back to making catches on a regular basis. Uh, you know, I think it was Simmons who said after the game, is was in more like 70-30. Well, they were, last month, it's been 90-10, <laughs> 95-5 yeah. uh, on those 50-50 passes. And Judy is still kind of seemingly on the periphery. But Cortland Sutton is right in the middle yeah. of all the action. And all these big plays, but there even so Judy, many of them come from. But even Judy even chipped Judy. in. He yeah. chipped in last night, and and he had a key reception on Monday night in
2: Buffalo a week ago. Tonight, but but and Sandy, no You know what I love about number ten is sure the catches, and that's all wonderful. But I saw him getting excited. I saw him getting excited and getting verbal and vocal and, and getting you know encouraging people. That's way more important. You know what to I saw from catching him catching the
1: ball that I never saw before from him at all. I don't know if you remember the play. He gets the ball behind the line of scrimmage and he's running around the left side. And he gets well past the line of scrimmage. He brings the ball up and fakes as if he's going to pass. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember the play. Right? Yeah. And they fall for it. Yep. And Collinsworth went nuts on the air. He said, I've never seen a guy do that. (laughs) He's five yards past the line of scrimmage. Uh, it, it, let's, let's listen to that. This is Collinsworth reacting to this play, and they fell for it. They froze, yeah. and he picked up additional yardage, and they cut to him after the play, and even Judy had to smile. He's kind of laughing. <laughs> wow, they really fell for that.
2: And after we hear this, I'll explain the psychology of that. Yeah. I, I First
1: and 10. Wilson fires it out. Jerry Judy's got it. Fantastic. Go ahead. Did you... <laughs> Jerry, Judy raised up like he was going to throw a pass five yards downfield after he caught it and they went for it. He faked him out a little bit.
2: <laughs> oh, I see.
1: Yeah. And he went on to say are they, or uh, they showed the tight shot of uh, Judy and he was smiling yeah. after that. He, he got a kick out of it. And again, that's the having fun yes. part of it. But, 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 Say what you were going to say.
2: Yeah, so the psychology of that, if so there's what we call the autonomic nervous system. There's the sympathetic and parasympathetic sides. We teach athletes to play on the parasympathetic side because that's calm and where performance lives. The sympathetic side is where stress and anxiety lives. So that's a play you make in the schoolyard, at the park, in Absolutely. a pickup game, right? Absolutely. Fake a pass. Well, he's made it in an NFL game now. So that tells me one really nice thing about him. He's in the parasympathetic. And if he's in the parasympathetic, he definitely is having fun out there. He definitely is believing in his teammates. And there's a strength and conviction about him and the team, but especially 10 important. 10 is really important. There's a strength and conviction in him that we haven't always seen. There's been some really oh. – Real no episodes doubt. of him pouting, self-loading. Just the
1: very fact that his stats aren't great, but you'd never know it from looking at him the last right.
2: few weeks. Right. And here's a here's an example of an athlete being his brain being conditioned at Alabama, being you know a first-round draft pick, <laughs> yep. and all of that. The great, great, great numbers, 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 quantitative, quantitative, quantitative. He's now finding out that you can be. Uh, not so your numbers aren't necessarily all pro or off the chart yeah. but if you're a team member and you contribute and you win the game that's fun too and that's the thing that he's starting to to learn and so that's where the growth is coming for number 10 which when you look back on it as tupac shakur said there's beauty in the struggle yeah when you find yeah. the beauty in the struggle you understand there's a reason for struggle and that goes for everyone in life there's a reason for struggle so i'm really happy for number 10. You know I'm happy for, too? Uh,
1: the McMillan kid. Yeah. The corner. Yeah. Who was not playing really much at all earlier in the year. And now, uh, looking here at the uh, chart, if I can find it, he's playing uh, 64% of the snaps. And that's a little low, actually. I, I thought he played more than that, but that's, in fact, how, how much he played. Uh, but it, it's, it, it really is interesting. They only used 16 defensive players last night. And usually it's 19 or 20. Yeah. They're, they're about to, They only used 16 last night. And two of the 16 were Mathis and Riley Moss, the rookie. And Mathis has been displaced now as a starting quarterback. He only played 4% of the snaps. Moss played 4% of the snaps. So, starting with Henningsen at 19%, the defensive line, then use 14 players on 19% or more of the snaps. 14. Yeah. That's it. I'll bet there wasn't a defense in the league that played only 14 guys this week. I bet there was. Yeah, I I, I, If I have time, I'll go back and check on that. Maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow. But that's, to me, that's that's kind of, That's shortening your bench. Oh, yeah. And that's Vance Joseph. I'm going to ride with my guys. And we'll move them around. Um, Benito is usually very noticeable, mm-hmm. especially this year. Yep. Okay? He went zeros across the board last night. In fact, I almost did a double take at one point. Said, Is he in the game? He actually played on 58% of the snaps last night. But they can get away with that. Not every guy has to be great. Yeah. When only three or four guys are playing every snap and you're rotating everybody in, they're fresh. Uh, let's see. Moreau played 96%. He's another good story, along with McMillan in that secondary. Yeah. Uh, Zach Allen, eighty-five percent; Cooper, eighty percent; Jules, seventy-four percent; Browning, sixty-six percent; McMillan, sixty-four; DJ Jones, sixty-two percent; Benito, fifty-eight percent; Purcell, fifty-seven percent. Everybody else was at thirty-one percent or lower. So they, they they went basically with ten guys and sprinkled in the eleventh. Yeah, here and there, kind of rotated the the 11th guy in. But you had two guys who play on the nose a lot. DJ Jones, 62% and Purcell, 57%. So they were obviously in the game at the same time. Yeah. Which is interesting. And another sign with Vance that they're giving different
2: looks and
1: different personnel combinations.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of his his strong points is he's a people person and he helps and he'll, he'll sit down with players and he'll say "What what do you see? What do you think we can run against this offense? And so I think some of that is input from players. Definitely does that with Simmons because he's yeah. coach Simmons. Yeah, and I think and it's, he's coach Jackson. And I think it's something he's really done on a consistent basis in the last six or seven games because um, prior to that there was an issue between some of him and his players yeah. about not taking input. Right. So he is doing that right. now, and he is he is very much a player's coach. Trust me on that one. He is very much. He communicates very clearly with them. Yeah, oh, it's fun the with them. Players loved him in
1: Miami. And they, the oh, the yeah. year he was there as defensive coordinator.
2: Yeah. I mean, I hated to see him go because he, he was he was fun for me to talk to yeah. out yeah. at practice. So he's very much a people person. And I'm just excited about his growth, too, because, again. Oh, go, it's been tremendous. It's really. been tremendous. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, he can write a book about this season in the future, yeah. how he went from, you know, having 70 points scored upon him to <laughs> really winning yes. some games. in the
1: last four games. They've been a top five defense, yeah, in yeah. every conceivable, relevant category,
2: and that's a beautiful yeah. story.
1: We um, had a beautiful event on Saturday night, and uh, Dr. Perry and I will talk about that when we continue here on Mile High Sports. Whoa!
0: This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Well,
1: we asked Dr. Perea on occasion to explain the inexplicable, and it was a very strange weekend in Denver sports. It capped off nicely with the Broncos win last night over the Vikings, but it really began on Friday night in Pullman, Washington, oh, yeah. when CU got grubbed by Washington State. 56-14, to 14, it was the biggest win in seven years for Washington State's football program, going back to 2016, and it could have been worse. Could have been worse. Could have been worse. Have been worse. Yeah. CU turned the ball over three times going into the game. This is the one thing that CU had going for it this year. They'd only turned the ball over seven times for all the sacks and mm. uh, all the dysfunction on offense. They only had seven turnovers going into the game in 10 games.
2: Mm.
1: They turned it over three times. Shador Sanders was knocked out of the game. Once came back, then got knocked out. And the whole vibe was weird there yeah. because see, you never specified what the injury was. It didn't look like trainers or medical people were really looking at him. I, <laughs> uh, just odd, but, uh, even though all the sacks haven't been against him, almost all of them have. 54 sacks against CU this year. Yeah. In 11 games. That's almost five sacks a game. Forget about the times he's been hit after throwing. Right. And that's the worst in FBS. Yeah. Number 133 out of 133. They are now dead last in the Pac 12 with a record of one and seven in conference play. No rusher this year has more than 320 yards. No running game. Uh, Sanders has 3,230 yards passing, but he had over 500 yards in the first game of the year at TCU. What do you make of starting with that? The Nuggets lost a couple this weekend on the road. Not a disaster, but kind of strange that they open the year with two straight wins on the road now they've lost four in a row in the road and the yeah. avalanche to complete the odd weekend fall behind a very good Dallas Stars team that is still leading their division 3 to nothing and sure enough they come back and score six straight goals and win going away 6 to 3 of course <laughs> they do of course they do yeah. i, I We'll talk about the event we were at Saturday night, but I was getting texts from an Avalanche fan, yeah, during the event. Oh, okay. And he was bemoaning the state of the Avalanche because they were down three nothing against yeah. this very good team, and it looked like they're going to get blown out again, lose five nothing, six nothing, seven nothing again. And they come back and they score six straight goals, win the game, ho hum. Um, and now they won three in a row since Jared Bednar called them to. Uh, amend their ways. Yeah. So, putting all those things together, you can start wherever you want, see you getting grubbed,
2: yeah, Colorado State
1: there. staying alive for a bowl bid yeah. by beating Nevada, uh, Air Force losing a tough one, uh, now they have uh, shut down the quarterback for the year. So they're playing with their backup, and it's understandable they're going to have a tough time winning games. And you know, Nuggets losing twice, Broncos winning C, getting drubbed on Friday night, all that stuff. A lot of things going
2: on. Yeah. So let me start with CU. Yeah. Um, I, too, was puzzled <laughs> at the nonverbal communication with Shador when he came off the field. And this is the way I would describe it because, again, as a psychologist, I'm trained to observe nonverbal communication and understand what it means. Um, it It was, to me... I told one of my sons, I said, he quit. He quit. Like, the, he, did you, he, the way he held his head. The body language.
1: Yeah. Well, when he his
2: held head. his head down, down. down. walking down. off, and I thought, okay, well, if he had a head injury, if he yeah. had a neck injury, yeah. there would be a trainer out there attending to that. But they, they weren't.
1: They, they weren't. He was just right.
2: lying on the ground yeah. first. But then when he did get up, Weird. he had his head fully down, his chin, like, into his chest all the way off the field onto the sideline. And, again, it's my job to understand what does that mean psychologically? What does that mean nonverbally? I've never seen a quarterback comport themselves in that way. And in me, to me. No medical people looking no at him. No medical people looking no, at him. He's no not trainers. talking to teammates. He's he not nothing. talking to anybody. Nothing. So the the what you deduce from that yeah. is that he he's done for the night.
1: He, it, it, it was, he, it was like Roberto Duran's no, ma, no Mas, No Moss No Moss. No mas. I don't, you I, know, you know, maybe and 53 sacks or however many it is, maybe that does it to somebody.
2: <laughs> but, I've had enough. But I'm you calling know, off the jam. But you know, I if let's uh, let's just say for sake of argument, he did throw in the towel there. That's not the way you do it. You can throw it away. That yeah. throw in the towel and walk off the field. You know, with your chin up, and you you know you competed, you did the best you can. I didn't like that. I didn't like that feel to the game. I felt like see you, at times, yeah, quit, yeah, Yeah. and I did not like that. The whole team. So, uh,
1: but but the thing that was strange to me is that he's been knocked out of other games, but comes back. He went in the locker room, right, one time, and came back out and went right back out and. And and played. So this reaction the other night just seemed bizarre. And of course, there was no clarification from the head coach following the game about what the hell was going of on. Of course not. Whether he's going to play against Utah or not.
2: Of Whether course. Whether they're shutting down uh Shador for the season or not. We have no idea. Of course he's not going to clarify it because it doesn't come out good. It's not a good look for his right. son either way. Right. Here's here's to me why he, he did it and he hasn't done it before. All of a sudden the reality, you're four and seven, about to be four and eight, and you're realizing, oh my gosh, this is not gonna be what we thought it was gonna be. And not at three and oh, no. No, and and, and the team is and his Shador himself is having to deal with disappointment. Yes. Which you know what, Sandy, is a good thing now. Because if they're talking about long term, which why it concerns me that I don't think they are, but if they're talking long term and, and and you know, Dion's gonna be there three, four, five years, then this is good for their overall development. This this adversity is building in them some resilience and the ability to, when they do come out of it, they are going to be very competent and aware of how to apply all these challenges that they've been through. But when you decide to suppress it and sweep it under the rug and do it that way, because I'm telling you right now, offensive line's watching him when he's walking off the field that way and they're like you want us to fight for you are you fighting for us so people understand that mm-hmm. you got to fight for this team now here's the second thing nuggets i think losing a couple games is okay it's probably okay it's yeah. it's totally okay yeah. right now not that you try to but you got again form storm norm and perform yeah they're gonna storm at times sure. in that sure. pr- presentation and performance cycle so they're just storming a little bit and it's okay They will find out who they are. I would rather see them lose, sprinkle in some losses here and there. Not on purpose, but again, just figuring out who they are. I I believe Jamal's still out, right? Yes, Jamal's still out. So that's the storm part of the Norman Perform. So they're going through a little bit of storm. Nothing to worry about. And
1: they are getting a sense that every team they play will bring their best. Absolutely, Target on their back. Defending champs. Yes. And that's just the way it is. And they, they got outworked in the two games. Yeah. One was close, one was a blowout, but they got outworked. That was the common theme. Jokic talked about that. He said, you know, we're getting beaten on the boards. We're, you know, we're not as engaged as yeah. other teams are coming back uh, against us. Uh, tonight, they play the worst team in major professional sports, the Detroit Pistons, <laughs> uh, whose own star said today, we stink. We're awful. I don't, you know, we, we yeah. couldn't be any worse than it. Uh, than we are right now, and I'm looking at their record. It's two and 12, so uh, it it looks like uh, tonight will will uh, bring a return to uh, 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 the winning ways of the Nuggets and uh, uh, the Avalanche. Should do credit to them. Hey, we got about a minute left. I want you to talk about what took place on Saturday night. We talked about it last week, and it was a wonderful event, charity event for suicide uh, awareness. Yes, uh, hopefully suicide prevention. Sure, and uh, Family spoke. Um, you were kind enough, and uh, coaches Kanaffel and Caldwell were kind enough to give me a chance to speak. Uh, yes. Rangeview was there. Thunder Ridge was there as well. It was a great night of uh, women's basketball, and, and the gals were great. They were, they were great. They were Not amazing. all four teams, and I'll tell you what, Valor, uh, you were telling me, Valor and uh, uh, Arapo between them, have something like five Division One athletes who are yeah. committed. Yeah. Yeah. To playing for top programs in the country next absolutely.
2: year, absolutely, the very talented teams and and the coaches too. But the, the the evening was so powerful because four teams came together, and it wasn't necessarily about who won or who lost, right. but it was just right. about competing in the in the environment. And then after the first two teams played, then then um, you know Rangeview played uh, Thunder Ridge, and then and then uh, Valor played Arapaho, right and they only played 3 quarters in each game so in the 4th quarter they all mixed mixed in yeah mixed in with each team great. and they and, and it was really cool to watch because you know the teams were playing together for each other with each other and you know you the take the teamwork about, was surprisingly good it, it was amazing. everything was mixed up and one yeah. thing i love sandy you got rangeview high school in aurora and you got valor which is a private school and you just had you had cult, different cultural variations. Right. You had different belief mm-hmm. systems, but yeah. everybody put that aside and came together for a for a cause. And your your speech mm-hmm. up there was just amazing. It illuminated so many powerful thoughts and emotions. And then at the end, I tried to get them excited and fired up for the future of what they're going to do. You succeed. And and so it was a wonderful evening. Thank you for coming. Um, well, they do it every year and we'll, we'll continue to participate in it and help them raise not only awareness but funds so we can you know provide counseling for people that need help and just remember this people it's okay to not be okay um, you can reach me Org, at any time um, if you're ever having some doubtful thoughts or feelings and perceptions and I'll be there for you hands down Tomorrow
1: at 420, we're going to have Marty Richardson on with us from Dog Nation, a friend of yours and a friend of mine. All right, Um, uh, Marty and I uh, did uh, uh, the DU Hockey Coaches Show with David Carl uh, last week and uh, you talk about someone who is laser focused on mental health and is doing great work um, on a number of levels and uh, Marty will be in here. He couldn't wait to come. Uh, We spoke uh, last week at uh, the campus lounge. And uh, look forward to having Marty on with us tomorrow, awesome. 420. Look forward uh, to it. We'll try to get a word in edgewise. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> Three people like to talk. Yep. All right. That'll be tomorrow. Our thanks to uh, Danny Bailey on the other side of glass. And we will see you tomorrow afternoon from 4 to 6 right back here on Mile High Sports.